2: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
1: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Leaf's morning take with Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill. Now
2: we've got a fight started here, right?
1: 30 minutes of live,
3: non-stop Leafs talk starts now. Hey, what's going on everybody? Happy Wednesday. It's the Wednesday edition of Leafs Morning Take presented by PointsBet Canada. As you can see, Nick Alberga flying solo for this edition. Jay Rosehill is working. Don't fret. He'll be by with uh, three hits with Rosie. In about five minutes from now, it's pretty lengthy at that. He had a lot to say, and I think five minutes of it was actually on Radko Gudis turtling against Zach aston reese So we'll get to that. Also have a big-time guest on today's show, Sportsnet's Anthony Stewart, the first person in the history of this program to guest on it twice. He'll be the first to do so in about 10 minutes from now. So stick around for Stewie. His analysis, he was on the panel on Sportsnet last night, breaking down this wild, wild, chaotic game between the Leafs and the Florida Panthers. Meantime, remember to subscribe, tap that like button, leave us a review wherever you're checking us out. Don't forget to visit theleafsnation.com for the very latest on all things Toronto Maple Leafs. I hope the chat here on YouTube is hot today. It has to be, considering what we witnessed yesterday from the goalie pull to the officiating, to the comfort behind victory, to Nylander's brilliance. Like, There's just so much to cover in a short amount of time. So pipe in thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns. Drop us a line in the chat down below here on YouTube. We'll get to it a bit later on in the show. But for now, let's get over the boards. Okay, where to start? So the Maple Leafs pull out from their ass pretty much a 5-4 OT win. William Nylander, you all remember I gave the shot prop yesterday. I won't lie, I was pissed off in the third period. Gets a penalty shot, misses the net. Even previous to that, to gain the penalty shot, uh, doesn't get a shot on goal. I'm like, this is just not our night for the shot prop. And then he scores a tying goal, just goes off his body. I think that's good hockey karma. And then what a burst in OT for the OT winner. Nylander 2-1 and one in that game. This guy's been a big money player all season long. And to me, the difference is just the consistency. Every time out, Nylander seems to bring something different to the mix. And I think he's just been very, very dynamic. And and, and to me, that's the biggest difference is just how consistent he's been throughout the season. in being a difference maker for this Leafs team, he's going to get paid big time. Um, in the off season and, and, and he should be, uh, he, he's just been an impeccable story this season. I really think he took this team and said, we're winning this game yesterday and uh full credit to the Maple Leafs, by the way, down four, one in that game, they stormed back. Uh, Matt Murray just didn't have it. And this has been a prevailing story for like almost a month. Now he's centers four on eight. He gets the Yank for the first time in his Maple Leafs career, but full credit to Ilya Samsonov. Now not overly tested. H or eleven shots on goal goes eleven for eleven. But I thought he made two huge saves in the first period, or excuse me, in the third period, one on Forsling, one in verheggy to solidify at least a point. You know, I, I brought back memories of the game on Saturday against Boston where they blew it, didn't even get to overtime. So I think they deserve a lot of credit uh for getting to overtime to begin with, but I thought Elias Samsonov to come in cold, and I know the players said the same thing in the post game remarks. To come in cold and perform the way he did, I thought was really, really impressive. And sort of picking up Matt Murray. I don't know if teams have the book on this guy glove side, but yeah, there's just a couple shots the last couple games specifically that have to be stopped, plain and simple. And I think it's an easy decision. Elias Samsonov will start, at least in my opinion, coming up on Thursday against the Winnipeg Jets. But I think. A lot of uh, kudos deserves to go to Samsonov for stepping in there. That's a tough job for a goalie who thinks they have the night off and to come in cold, go 11 for 11. And again, those two marquee saves that we bookmarked for sure in the third period gets him the point. And then OT, the Leafs pretty much controlled the puck. They're a much different team, by the way, in OT. If you guys remember earlier on in the season, every time I came on the show and ragged on this team, they just suck in OT. But they flipped the script on that. It seems like they have the right personnel to at least start with the puck. And I think they're making better decisions overall with the puck in overtime. Speaking of which, Mitch Marner, two apples in the game, sets the home point streak record at 19 games. I think that lead was a bit buried considering everything that happened last night from the lander goal to the officiating, which I'll get to momentarily. That's pretty damn impressive, man. Daryl Sittler, he passes him. And now Mitch Marner's name is atop the charts. And of course, we saw the conversation earlier in the season when it came to the it came to the general point streak as well. It really was the good, the bad, the ugly with Marner last night. Because if you do recall, the first period was not a Picasso by any stretch. It was a pitiful start for the Matt, for Matt Murray and the Maple Leafs at that. But they surrounded the shorty. A lot of that had to do with Marner. Um, takes a penalty like the next shift. And, the, you know, the ISO shots were directly on Mitch Marner. But this is why you have Mitch Marner. He finds a way to make a difference similar to Nylander. And I thought he really, really elevated his play after a very, very difficult first period. Picks up two apples. So congratulations to him. I know not, peop- not many people are going to talk about that. And, you know, very similar to the Austin Matthews conversation, we're, we're just sort of glazed over in the dominance. Uh, you know, the same type of conversation last year where it's like unrealistic expectations. A guy gets 60 and 73. Well, you expect it every year. I think we pretty much at this point expect Mitch Marner uh, to pick up a point every game, and that has been the case for a long, long period of time. So the Maple Leafs pull off a 5-4 victory, but you couldn't help but notice Paul Maurice, the former head coach of the Leafs, on the Florida bench having a full-blown conniption. And I thought rightfully so. You know, I should preface by saying I'm not big to rag on officials. I don't envy the job. I think it's really, really difficult, quite frankly. I used to umpire back in the day for a couple of summers until I called it quits. I was tired of the moms complaining was sleep baseball. I'm like, I can't do this. Imagine officiating in the NHL. I'm not giving them the vote of confidence by any stretch. Quite honestly, I think the refs lost the game in the first period. Let me put it this way. If Radko Gudis is turtling on Zach Aston Reese, trying to gain a call, you know you've lost. You completely lost the game because you wouldn't see that ever. I would say 99.9% of the time Gudas would just go Zach Aston Reese who wanted that scrap last night, but he turtled. And that's mainly because, in my opinion, the officials lost the game and it was so heavily in favor of the Leafs. And I would say this if it was the exact other way around, by the way. It's not me bitching and complaining one way or another. I just think it was a tough night at the office. But I do attribute this to humanization. Um, I think sometimes you have to humanize the element. I know Panthers fans and media don't want to hear that. You're not going to have your best night all the time. And w- without a shadow of a doubt, the officials just didn't have it last night. It-, it was a poor outing. You know, The Leafs have their poor outings sometimes. The Panthers do, I'm sure. It was just a tough night for the officials. We see 10 power plays. You know, Toronto's power play was dreadful. And they still find a way to score two goals. Um, but ten total power plays in that game. Again, we got a goalie pull, we got a penalty shot. It really had it all. And I would say the folks at Scotiabank Arena got their money's worth. Speaking of which, I always get my money's worth when I hear from Jay Rosehill when he's not here. Here's this week's or today's three hits with Rosie. Hello folks and welcome back
0: to 3 Hits with Rosie. What a wicked NHL hockey game we had tonight with the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Florida Panthers. I mean, for some reason that one just had old school intensity and nail biting and you didn't know what you were going to get. It was all over the place. I mean... Guys were blowing each other up. There were goals being scored. By no means did the Leafs take over and dominate that game, but they ended up winning. They were behind the eight ball for the majority of the game. Refs are calling stuff left, right, and center. Coaches are losing their minds. Guys are scrumming. Bunting's in there. Guys are on Matthews, blowing into the goalie. Everything you could ask for, we saw it, and I loved it. And you know what? It's about time because I'm tired of the normal game. Dissection of NHL games where you're sitting there and you're kind of like yeah well the uh we had a net positive um offensive zone possession time and also um our shots were at a 62 percent rate and it's just like neat That's that's so fun that's so exciting you know it's 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 not it's not not always this exciting and i like to see an old school hockey game where there's scrums and there's fireworks and guys are into it and guys are you know unexpectedly losing their minds and doing this and it's just you get there and you're sitting there with your buddies watching an NHL hockey game and and you're excited, and you're talking about it, and it's a great game to watch. And it was nice to see that for a change. Number two, I'm talking about Radko Gudis. Speaking of which, I'm all for the big hits and for the the Donny Brux and the scrums and the banging and the crashing. But when you got a guy lined up in open ice and you submarine for, that's what I'm asking. Why would you submarine? You got a guy lined up. The best thing in the world that you can feel, in my opinion, is putting your shoulder right through a guy's chest. He goes down, he's looking up at the rafters, you're standing over top of him, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's a beautiful feeling, and that's what Rad Kogutis is very good at. I've played against him, he's tried to stand me up in the neutral zone before, I've felt that he is a brick shithouse. This guy has no reason to be submarining a guy and blowing him up like that. It's not a skill, it's not something to be proud of. My nine-year-old son, every single time, could do that to me and send me ass over tea kettle, and every time, what is there, a 20? percent chance you're going to blow a guy's knee up mcl acl meniscus blow up his kneecap real fun that's not what this guy needs to be doing Gudis is a good enough open ice hitter he's one of the better ones playing right now him and McNabb. you know i'm not putting them in the scott stevens or cronwall or fanuff type of conversation by any stretch. But in this day and age, he's one of the best open ice hitters there are. And there's absolutely no reason for him to be submarining. There's no other thing to say. You submarine a guy and blow up his lower half and he goes flying over your back when you already have him lined up and you could just bury him and stand him up like a man. That's what he should be doing. And it pisses me off to see that because some guys applaud it and it's just it's not a hip check. A hip check is is Rob Blake you know, having a guy come wide on him and he goes ass first up against the boards and the guy goes flying and he says, that's not how you're getting around me because he's a defenseman skating backwards and you take him out that way. That's great. Open ice hit when a guy feels you're coming on him. Even if you're catching him in the trolley tracks, he feels you're coming. He's going to start bracing for a hit at the last quarter of a second and you submarine his lower half and you go flying. That's garbage and it's dangerous and there's no reason for it. And good on Zach Austin Reese for coming up to him, shedding his mitts and starting to chuck at him. And it's embarrassing times two for Radko Gudis that he decides to turtle instead of uh, you know, standing up to the bell because he knows from playing in this league for what has he been playing for a decade now in the NHL? You you submarine a guy like that and send him ass over T. Kelly, you know goddamn well it's going to cause a melee from the other team, and he should have been there at least to save face and shed his mitts and scrap a little bit. Last thing I got to say is the Leafs goaltending right now. Yes, Matt Murray got pulled tonight. Samsonov came in and did a solid job. You know, people keep asking me, what's your level of concern of the Toronto Maple Leafs right now goaltending situation? It's like there is no level of concern. This is hockey. These guys have been giving you a 9-4 percentage Um, both of them all season long, they've been racking up the points for you. You We're second or so in the NHL all year long. There's no level of concern. These guys have been playing solid. They're they're grinding and they're wearing down. If he has a night off... Are you telling me our level of concern? This is exactly what makes it hard to be a goalie in Toronto is people sounding the alarm bells every time you have an off night. The great thing about this tandem is that if someone does have an off night, guess what you got coming in behind you? A rock solid guy who can come in and get you the win. How often does a team get a win when you pull your goalie? Not very often. The Maple Leafs just accomplish that. And the next time someone has an off night, it very well could be Samsonov and guess who's going to be coming in to bail him out after? Matt Murray will. And I guarantee you'll have shut the door just the same as that happened tonight. I'm not concerned about their goaltending at all. I would like them to do better. I would like them to have a 9-7 percentage all year long, but this is reality, and you got to take what you get, and these things happen. My level of concern is not very high. Send it back to you, Nikolai Alberga.
3: Mercy, take a bow, Jason Rosehill. What an epic rant there! I hope his full name is actually Jason, by the way. And uh, we're going out January twenty seventh. Rosie's coming into town. I can't wait to just start a a shit storm and Rosie to clean it up. I'd go through a wall for that guy. And uh, some epic comments in that rant, certainly there as we welcome in Sportsnet's Anthony Stewart in the conversation. Stu uh thanks so much for making the time here on this Wednesday. I'm sure you caught a bit of what Rosie had to say. What did you think of Radko Gudis there? in the latter half of that hockey game.
2: Yeah, I I think he probably cost his team the game there. And you see that, uh, you know, that low hit that he had on uh, Zach Aston Reese. When you don't answer the bell there, you sort of put the refs in a bit of a predicament there. And, you know, you force them to call the penalty. So the refs are going to be looking for you to to find something. So whether or not that hit, uh, you know, a a couple seconds after that was a penalty, you embarrass the referees. They're probably looking to call one on you. So, you know, that ensuing power play, they end up scoring to uh, tie the game. Sorry to make it... uh, I think it was a 4-3 or whatever it may be, and then ended up costing the game. So I think for him, again, the NHL, like, again, if you're going to be making those hits, you got to be prepared to answer the bell. And Gudis, you know, he's a tough guy. He's a tough customer. So I didn't really know what he was thinking there right now, but I think that was one of the main points uh, that cost Florida the game last night.
3: So to your point, I think my philosophy as to why Gudis sort of turtled there, because it was really, really peculiar to me. It's Zach Aston Reese. Like, Gudis will handle him in a fight. There's no doubt about it in my mind. I honestly think the refs lost the game in the first period, and that was good as thinking, you know what, I can gain a call, I can draw a call, and that's exactly sort of what he did uh, in in the retribution there. Um, What was your stance on the officiating? I'm always careful how I speak about the officials in general. I, I think it's a difficult job. I don't envy the job, but would you agree with that assessment that they sort of lost the game in the first period, never got it back?
2: Yeah I'm not one to really pile on on the rest but they did lose that game and and I think for the one thing yeah, there's going to be some good calls and not so good calls but the main thing was the consistency and that's sort of as a coach or as a player you want to know what you're going to be calling. Interference is interference you're going to be calling sticks tonight but they just seem to be all over the place and you see the Lilligrim penalty where you thought Bennett was going into the bench you're like okay what is going on so it just seemed a little bit confusing last night so you know, just like players and uh, the coaching refs have a night off. It was definitely a night off for the referees. But again, we always talk about the pendulum swinging one way. Uh, it usually comes back in your favor. So I can expect, uh, you know, Florida to probably get some, uh, some calls going in their favor the next couple games.
3: Yeah, that's exactly it. To me, that that's what incensed me, man, was like the confusion where it's like one guy goes in the box and they're like, no, no, we got it wrong. Like at least be confident with your calls. Like I I, I was watching that game. I'm like, what is happening? Cause then, you know, automatically, and you play the game for such a long period of time, we'll get to Kingston momentarily, but, like, you start to wonder when... Like, even when I play beer league and you take, like, three straight penalties, you start to wonder when that next penalty is going to come and you know it's going to the other team, right?
2: Yeah, it just, just seemed like it was sort of out of whack. Right? How many power plays for the Maple Leafs last night? Was it seven or eight, right? They weren't really seven, dominating eight, the game eight. that much where, again, Florida was taking that many penalties. So some of them were ticky-tacky. I understand that, too. But, like, even the call on... Uh, Marner on the interference, I think it was, on uh, Eric Stahl. You saw Eric Stahl really sell that and grab his leg. So again, it just seemed a bit off. So maybe you just chalk it up to a Tuesday night in Toronto. But uh, again, I'm sure they'll respond. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but like I said, For the most part, I would say this year has been fairly consistency. And I've sort of been taught and grown. You leave the refs alone because, like I said, when the pendulum goes one way, it usually swings. And complaining about it or making a big deal about it, you know, Nick, it just makes it work. So you almost just deal with it, you move on and and hope that you get the calls the next couple nights.
3: It reminded me of Daryl Sutter like a month ago, complained or sort of indirectly focused on Toronto and just sort of the pendulum always seemed to go their way. And then the next night, I think Calgary had like seven peepers in their game. So look out for that. I think if maybe in your betting betting point of view, that maybe you look at a power play point for the Florida Panthers coming up uh, in their next hockey game. I believe they're in Montreal coming up on Thursday night. You know what's so fascinating about this whole Goudis thing? Would he not look perfect in a Maple Leafs uniform? Like I would welcome him.
2: He would. And, and, again, he was a main storyline. But let's go back to, you know, he he's probably playing, you know, three inches shorter and 30 pounds lighter if Wayne Simmons is in the lineup because – you know, you saw that punch that Zach asked to race through last night. Simmons connects that and he'll knock your block off. So, you know, going into the playoffs or going into the, you know, game 60 to 80, it's it's tougher to get those inches. So you need those guys out there, not necessarily just to run around and be stupid, but just be a deterrent because Goodis does not make that hit when you have a player like Simmons or a player like Clifford because you have to make that decision. Do I really want to make this game out of whack? Uh, you know, it's, it was a close game, so you don't really want to have anybody go, uh, you know, crazy out there. So... Again, I'm a big proponent of having those guys because I remember I was a big guy. You know, I made a living playing physical. But when there was a guy I was questionable, like, man, this guy might like beat me up. You know what? I'm gonna take. I'm not gonna be taking as many liberties as opposed to a team where it just has a bunch of you know small young guys out there. I'll be running around crazy. So again, I think that's the one um, you know litmus test that's not really measured out there. The, the the having some guy in the lineup that's gonna really answer the bell and keep those other players at bay.
3: Did you like uh, Bunting uh, sticking up for Matthews again last night? Yeah, but I
2: like Matthews sticking up for himself too. He took the three cross checks, and as he was about to get another one, he actually you know took Cousins out with a with a trip. So I think that's more embarrassing than anything. You know, Cousins thinks he's going to get a reaction; he gets tripped, and then in comes Bunting. But what I like about that is, you know, I talked about it last night on the broadcast. Is they're playing more so like a team as opposed to a club. They're sticking up for another. Uh, you know, how many times have we talked about over the years about? Um, you know, them just sort of turning a blind eye, not saying anything about it or doing anything about it, saying, well, we'll just wait for the power play. But when you have guys sticking up for another, you know, you've seen uh, Geo do it over the years, you know, sorry, over the year, Bunting stepping up as well too, that brings the team together. So that scrum was one of the main reasons, I, I call it the sports net turning point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trademark that now in the game because go, they came together as a team, they dragged each other into the fight, And that was one of the main reasons why they got back and ended up eventually winning that game.
3: Yeah, sadly, I think another entity has the naming rights on the whole turning point thing, but I think you can figure out something to piggyback (laughs) off that. So I was watching the broadcast last night. You killed it as per usual, all all three of you. Uh, You hypothesized Eric Lindros' number for David Pastranax's new deal, eight times 11. Now, do William Nylander, what's that next contract look like?
2: Ooh. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Is it going to be in Toronto?
2: Is it going to be in Toronto? That's the question. The Neanderthals. Hopefully, they're not listening. But um, again, say what you will. You know, he made a lot of people eat a lot of crow because there's some people questioning the contract, questioning him sitting out for that extended period of time, coming back. I think it was mid to late November, and it's probably one of the most valued contracts in the league. And now he's, um, you know, trending in towards superstar status. You know, I would not be surprised if he ends up in the All Star game. I know I'll see you there at uh, the root beer stand, but. You know, he's playing some great, great hockey for the Maple Leafs. And I would not be surprised to see him hit 40 goals and and 100 points. So you you do the math on that, whether that's in Toronto or wherever it's going to be, he's a $10 million player, so he's earned it. Uh, And I think the main thing for his game this year, he's a leader. You know, he's stepping up in big moments. He's going to the net. He's being more consistent. He has a little bit more uh, urgency and a little bit of a bigger motor this year. And I think that was sort of the frustrating uh, part with some of the coaches where he didn't bring it every single shift. Very, very talented player. He works hard, but he's just more consistent with it. So it's great to see that because when he's on – it just adds another element now, because now you have to worry about Marner, you have to worry about Matthews, and then Nylander, and you're seeing Tavares, who's on a seven-game point streak as well too. So in the big four, which is the way that this team was designed to be, is stepping up and playing consistently. It's a very, very hard make believe team to beat. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
3: That's exactly it to me like that's the biggest difference I said it earlier with Nylander is the consistency like there isn't as many lulls in terms of games where you notice the guy out there and I think that's the biggest difference from a good player in this league to an elite player in this league. Matt Murray has an 888 save percentage in his past 10 appearances since the uh, holiday break. He's allowed four more goals and four of his seven starts. I know I'm not that stat heavy of a person you know having worked with me. What's your level of concern? Um, Obviously, Rosie in his vid said no concern at all. Is there any level of concern with you when it comes to Matt Murray? Because there seems to be a book on his glove hand, right?
2: Yeah, well, there's a bit of a concern, uh, but it's an 82-game season. There's going to be ups and downs, and it's tough to be consistent. You know, teams, they hand out contracts, the big, big contracts, the most consistent guys, and it's tough. And, again, if he was struggling with the same issues in in game 60 to 80 than he is now, yeah, there would be some concern, but – there's going to be times where you can't bring your A game every single night. So he's had a lot of great A games, but he's had some C games as well, too. So I think they, the the saying is the NHL, you want to bring your B-plus game most of the nights when you can't bring your A game. So uh, from a technical standpoint, and again, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm uh, Steve Valliquette, but again, he's just looking a little bit small in the net. You saw a lot of goals go in last year on Koskinen. You know, he's a big guy, 6'5", 6'6" you know, how are shots going in over your shoulder and over your head or middle bar down? So he just seems like he's not really square to the puck. He doesn't seem confident coming out of his crease. It's almost like he's anticipating a second or first shot or a backdoor pass. So I think for him, you know, when he's on, the puck just seems to hit him. He's not worried about anything else, but just yeah. getting in front of the puck and letting it hit him and playing big in the net. So uh, maybe they're trying to change his style a little bit. Maybe there's something behind the scenes that we don't know about. Maybe it's something, a nagging injury, uh, but he just seems a little bit off. But like I said, it's early enough in the season where he has some times to work out the kinks. He has some times to do some training and video and the team is still rolling. They're sitting third, fourth in, uh, in the Eastern Conference right now too. So they have some time, but you know, as Rosie said, it's a two-headed monster. So he, if he's off, you know, you're going to have a situation like last night where Samsonov comes in and shuts down, and he played really, really well. He made some big, big saves coming in cold too. So that two-headed monster, I think when you have one guy off, another guy playing B-plus hockey, that's the way that this team is designed, and I think they can weather the storm and ride it out uh, while the other guy may be struggling a little bit.
3: You're right. The one on Forsling and the one on Verhage in the third period were big and solidifying at least a point for the Leafs. Uh, coming in cold, I think, has to be a difficult job for a goalie who thinks they have the night off. They're not focused. They're not mentally there. And to come in, I thought that was really, really impressive. So we're about 45 days away from the trade deadline. I'm sure you've been asked this question a lot on a daily basis. But if you're Kyle Dubas, what are you looking to acquire between now and March 3rd? Well, I think uh, Callie Crooks done
2: a great job filling in in the top six, but you know you're seeing you know Kerfoot in the bottom six really really thriving. So I think you need to add that second line you know scoring winger. Um, so I'm not sure do you slide Tavares there and maybe get a center? So do you go and get a, an O'Reilly? He's shrugging a little bit this year, but I think you need a, a, a top line second, first or second line guy that can put the puck in the net. So I'm looking at like a Nito rider who's, you know, every single year he's going to score 20, 25 goals. A big guy that can go up and down. But I think they have that in Matthew Nice. And, uh, you know, everyone's talking about, well, do they trade him to get uh, what they need to get? Uh, you know, from what I've seen and what I've heard, this guy is going to be a star. And you talk about prospect has sort of gotten away over the years. I don't think they can let this guy get away. So I could see him. It's a big, big jump coming out of college hockey, but he's big. He's fast, he's strong, he can make plays. So he could be that missing link right now. But uh, do I risk it? Maybe, maybe not, but I do not risk uh, trading him. So there's some other players out there that I think can step in and do the job. But remember, this team's got rid of a lot of assets over the years, the covers are a little bit bare and whatever prospects you have, you wanna hold on to them just in case, you know you don't go the whole uh, distance this year right now. So I think Matthew nice, but again, I can see a, a O'Reilly coming in. But at this point, You know, all systems and uh, everything's firing right now on all cylinders.
3: I've done this tap dance way too many times in this market where we play up a a rookie and he never fulfills expectation. Nick Robertson's been banged up, but he's never been that guy that he was touted to be. That's why Nice is a guy I would have in play, man. If I'm getting Bo Horvat, if I'm getting Ryan O'Reilly, I'm making the play. I think you go all in. Or the best way to go all in. Uh, if you're Kyle Dubas, who knows what your contract or extension is going to look like. I think you have to make your play sometimes. And, and there is a level of risk being a GM, I think, in the NHL. To wrap, uh, when you were running a muck in junior hockey back in the day, in your wildest teams, Stewie, did you ever envision having your number retired uh, by your OHL squad? Uh, no.
2: And again, I go back to my career. My junior days were probably my, my fondest memories and, and my best hockey that I've played. And, and to play four years and, you know, have over 200 points. And you know, I think my only regret was probably not winning, uh, you know, uh, many playoff rounds. But I, the, I think the most my crowning achievement is being able to share the moment with my brother who had, a, you know, an amazing career junior and NHL. So to be able to have him be on my team as a walk on and getting him a tryout and him not even playing hockey the year before to being an OHL star, uh, that's that's a great, great accomplishment. But, uh, you know, thank you very much to the Kingston Frontenac's first class organization uh, for bringing in and hosting my whole entire family. I think we had about 40 or 50 family and friends there the whole entire weekend. But it's a memory now that uh, I'll be able to share with my kids. Our kids were on the ice skating around as flag bearers. So one of my uh, fondest memories and, and greatest achievements right now and having my number retired in the rafters next to my brother, it's definitely a great accomplishment. And uh, we're very, very proud as a Stewart family.
3: Who wins in a fight, you or your brother?
2: On or off the ice. Off the ice, me on the ice. He beats the crap out of me.
3: <laughs> how many times you guys That's play grossy. each
2: other in the That's show? Ask Rosie that. who's tougher. He'll tell you.
3: <laughs> I will. Who 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 uh how many times you guys play each other in the show?
2: Uh, I think only twice. Uh I was really? scratched a couple times. He was injured. I was in the minors. So we were supposed to play each other about ten times. We only maybe twice. What a league. Do you think you think you'd ever get to the point
3: where you'd drop him?
2: No, he could get – he's – again, I used to beat the crap out of him when he was young, so yeah. he's ready to fight me to the death over the color of the sky. So I just tread carefully around him. He's got he's got the Irish gene in the family. He's ready to snap at any given moment.
3: <laughs> I love that. Well, uh, congratulations, man. That must have been unbelievable uh, to be there in Kingston the other night. And, uh, yeah, I always appreciate your time. Looking forward to sunrise in a couple weeks for the All-Star game. And you never know, maybe the Panthers retire number two, right? No, no. <laughs> at, at the elbow Thanks, room, at the elbow room, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know where elbow room is. That's across from the beach. Uh, I live there. Yeah. I got I got Vegas there. <laughs>
2: yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it.
3: Thanks. Anytime. Uh, that's one of my best. One of my favorites uh, in the industry. Anthony Stewart, Salt of the Earth, and again, congratulations to him. Who you could never wonder that you and your brother play in the OHL. A couple years apart, and you both have your numbers retired by the same team. I I just thought that was epic. And salt of the earth is Anthony Stewart. I work with him over at Sportsnet. Just an amazing dude, and I can't wait to uh, link up back with the Cat in a couple weeks in Sunrise, of course, a former member of the Florida Panthers. For now, the wrap-up is brought to you by our friends at Canada. It's so funny. I was telling producer Alex Offair that the Nylander shot prop was not looking very great. And then Nylander scores the winner in OT to hit it at four. It was at three and a half, of course, the whole episode with the penalty shot, misses the net on the penalty shot, misses the net on the opportunity to get the penalty shot. I'm like, this is not our night. Moral of the story, I got the job done. So I'm two for two to start this five-day week. Next up is tonight's uh, slate. There's only five games in the NHL. I'm looking at a late game, and that's San Jose and Dallas. For the second straight game, it's a Pete DeBoer revenge game. I was all over and hammering the Dallas Stars against the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm going to try to do the same tonight against San Jose, a team he was also fired from. So I like the Dallas puck line in this game at plus 165 or around there, as you see on your screen. I know that's pretty hefty value if you can hit it, uh, but I'm going to take my chances. Number one, Dallas is a really good team. San Jose is not. They dropped five of six. Number two, these two teams actually played like three weeks ago. December 31st, Dallas won 5-2 on home ice. So I will take my stab. I will take my chances. And you all know I love my revenge game. So give me the Dallas Stars puck line on the road against the San Jose Sharks. All right. uh, That's pretty much going to do it for today's show. Really was jam-packed for flying solo. Um, So Jay Rose will be back in the mix tomorrow before he heads off to Vegas. So we'll get his uh, pregame for a big weekend for him and his buddies down in Sin City. The Leafs have uh, Winnipeg coming up on Thursday. You know, the Jets are going to have some, uh, um, you know, fire under their their belly in that game, considering what happened on Tuesday. They laid an egg against the Montreal Canadiens, so you know Connor Hellebuck's going to come in red hot into that game. And then the, the Leafs visit the Montreal Canadiens coming up on Saturday. Just catching up in the chat, it's red hot once again today. Tim writing in, been a ref for 35 plus years. I do my best not to rag the zebra as well on you. Good on you uh tim i just think it's a difficult job and i don't like piling up on people either i just think it's really really hard and i would have said the same thing too if it was the leafs on the opposite end it was florida yesterday and i know paul maurice was not happy about it uh lamb writes in gudas would look better in the blue and white i i tend to agree i think he would bring that zach bogosian type style to this team uh Clegg juicer nice name writes big tough left winger big tough left D man fourth liner to help simmer. That's uh, I guess what he wants for the trade deadline coming up. I asked Anthony Stewart that too. And uh Henrik writes in, do people still hate on Willie? At least the old time fans, of diva not physical enough was the complaints. If I remember correctly, you are correct. Nylander is an absolute boss now. And he pretty much runs this city. He's an absolute stud. And quite frankly, they get to a point where how much money is too much money for Nylander. When you have Marner, when you have Tavares and you have to pay Austin Matthews, I, I, you know, Not not to look too far ahead, I want to enjoy the moment, but next summer is going to be very, very intriguing when it comes to the Maple Leafs. So I'll be back with you coming up on Thursday. Rose Hill by my side, and we'll tee up that game, the Leafs and the Winnipeg Jets. Again, many thanks to Anthony Stewart for dropping by. This has been the Wednesday edition of Leafs Morning Take. Take care.